0: Hello and welcome to Glory B, interesting people and how they pray.
1: Each week we chat with interesting people about their lives, their work, and how they pray. I'm Sharon Hannish,
0: And I'm Mike Malcolm.
1: Our guest today is Mark Onasorge. Mark is a captain with the Tulsa Police Department here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and is currently assigned to the Police Academy over recruitment and training. He grew up in a military family, traveling all over the world before graduating from high school in Enid, Oklahoma. Mark holds a Bachelor of Science in Mathematics from Oklahoma State University and a Master of Science in Criminal Justice from the University of Oklahoma. He taught in public schools for one year before joining the Tulsa Police Department in 2008. Mark has held many positions within the Tulsa Police Department and has helped develop numerous classes for law enforcement training. He is a commissioner on Mayor G.T. Bynum's Greater Tulsa Area Hispanic and Latinx Affairs Commission and serves on the Church of St. Mary pastor's team. Mark is married to his lovely wife, Maggie, and they have six kids who keep them very busy with school, (laughs) church, and sports, and we are so delighted to have Mark here. We we know Mark well. He's very involved here at St. Mary's, and we're so happy you're here.
2: Yeah, thank you very much for having me. I'm excited.
0: Yeah, six kids. You must have, like, reaction times, like just being able to reach (laughs) stuff, catch all the balls, a
2: child. Yeah, sometimes I surprise myself with uh, (laughs) with my spidey senses, but, yeah. (laughs) That is great.
1: So, you wanted to mention before we got started?
2: <laughs> yeah, I I just wanted to um most of my career obviously has been in law enforcement with the Tulsa Police Department, but um I don't speak for them on the yeah. podcast or anything like that. Yeah. All everything that we're going to talk about is my personal uh life and opinions and history.
1: So, yeah, fair, we're fair so, enough. We are, we're, we're so happy we want to hear well, all about it. 15
0: years. With the yeah, TPD, I know it. It
2: that's, flew by. It really yeah. feels like it was yeah. not not that long ago that I was walking through the academy. Yeah. So you so.
1: taught for one year, right? And then you it, thought, I got to get out of here. And no, what sparked your interest in policing? Working for the um,
2: probably Law and Order is going to be. Oh, wow! <laughs> where yeah. where the my interest TV started. Show. Right. Yeah. Um, so, I guess when I was growing up, my parents just kind of always had Law & Order on um, in the evenings or when, whenever it was playing. And uh, it was just one of those shows that I thought was kind of cool. And I'd always watch it with my parents. And I honestly never really thought that it would influence my life or career choices until I was in college. And I started thinking about what my next step was. And um, as you mentioned, I got my bachelor's of science in mathematics. And toward the end of my collegiate life. I realized real world was coming pretty quick and I had to figure something out. And the, I guess, easiest option for me was teaching. Um, it was something that my mom was a teacher. She'd done it for 20 some years. And I thought that that was, um, kind of in my blood. My dad, actually, we were talking about earlier about people who have bachelor's degrees in math. My dad has a bachelor's degree in math. And so that was also kind of something that, um, I don't not came easily to me, but it was more natural than most mm-hmm. subjects in school, and uh, I thought that that would be kind of a fun career choice to to choose. And so, I was kind of bouncing between teaching, military service, uh, like my dad was, and then um, service to the public. And I decided to try both uh, mm-hmm. teaching and at the same time, I was looking into public service or law enforcement yep. and um, something that sparked my interest about. TPD, not to get too, uh, recruiting on you guys, but, um, I liked that they required a bachelor's degree. I thought that, yep. that was something that, um, other law enforcement agencies in the nation don't. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was spoke highly of the standards and, and, um, of the type of training, the type of people that Tulsa was attracting. And so I looked, I guess, at TPD at the same time I was in public schools. Um, and I was actually just a um, I don't want to, I guess, take all of our time talking about this, yeah. but I was kind yeah. of an emergency substitute. So I graduated with my degree in math. And I think it was within a couple of weeks, my old high school called me. Oh. And they were like, hey, we know you just graduated, you have a degree in math, we just lost a math teacher, can you come help? And so I said, absolutely. And went and taught at the high school that oh, I graduated awesome. from four years prior, wow. which made it really awkward at times, uh, teaching alongside the teachers that yeah. I had just had a few years right. before. Um, but it was also really kind of cool. One of the uh, teachers, um, what the, the, one of the math teachers was one of the people that inspired me to mm-hmm. kind of follow a STEM uh, type degree. And so I thought that was kind of neat to yeah. to teach alongside her and to, to help. Um, she was the calculus teacher. And so, I was teaching, I think, Algebra 1, Algebra 2, mm-hmm. something like that. And so when she had to leave, she would have me come in and teach calculus, and that was um, kind of the highlight, mm-hmm. I guess, of my teaching career, was subbing for my calculus teacher. Wow. <laughs> when in so, there
1: were you married? When did you meet? Did you and Maggie meet at Oklahoma State?
2: So we met kind of. <laughs> um, we were very early in the online dating platform, I guess oh, you could say. Yeah. Um, but we, we didn't meet on any specific dating site. We were really cool, and we had mm-hmm. blogs when we were in college. Yeah. And so we kind of met that way. And uh, what was interesting was she had just kind of met my brother online through, through our blogs. Mm-hmm. And um, about that same time, I was asked to speak to a group of confirmation students at my parish in Enid. And they asked for kind of a male and female's perspective on going to college and continuing your faith life in college. And, um, and so I, Matt was kind of like, hey, uh, I just met this girl online. Maybe you can take her and see if she's interested in, in speaking with you at yeah. this thing. And of course, Maggie is a, a very smart woman. And so she said, I'm not meeting anyone who I met online <laughs> and in real life. Um, but kind of fortuitously, our parents knew each other because mm-hmm. they were both special education teachers yeah. in, the, in the school systems. So, um, she talked to her mom, she kind of mentioned it. Her mom was like, oh yeah, I know their mom. They're normal. You, you can <laughs> yeah. meet them in real life. Yeah. And so, uh, we gave this talk together to a group of confirmation kids, uh, my sophomore year yeah. of college, I think it was. And, um, and I mean, it was, we had chemistry as soon as we met, like I'd met her just off base because I had to escort her on to base because I was still a military dependent at the time. And, um, from when I met her to throughout our afternoon that day, um, really just kind of felt like we'd yeah. known each other for a long time. We were e- easy to talk to. Um, and after that I was kind of like, I don't want this to be the last time we see each other. So, yeah. um, we started kind of seeing each other a little yeah. bit yeah. over that some spring and summer. And then we started dating that summer and that was it.
1: Wow. And you got married right out of school.
2: I got married. Um, actually, I was in the middle of the police academy when I was married. So okay. we we got engaged uh, right when I graduated. Um, she still had about two years left of school because she was in pharmacy school, and that's um, longer than yes. <laughs> than getting a bachelor's of science in math. So, uh, so she had about two years left. Um, I asked her to marry me. She she said yes, thankfully. And um, it was about a year and a half after that we got married. So. Huh.
1: And so then she supports you as you go to the police academy.
2: So um, she was still in school okay. uh, at that time; like she was in her, um, I can't remember what they call rotations, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so she was working in pharmacies here in Tulsa, um, but still paying tuition to to go to school. And so um, fortunately, Tulsa pays throughout the academy, and so I was able oh, to nice. okay. um support both of so us. So if you in get into regard. the
1: Tulsa academy, mm-hmm. it's free.
2: Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah. we we pay you to go to the academy, so you're an employee at that point.
1: Oh, no, no. I guess I didn't realize that. Yeah. It's not like getting a degree where you have to pay.
2: No. Yeah, we we pay you through training and then uh, pay you when you're in field training, and then you get a raise when you're actually a police officer doing it on your own. So.
1: Okay, so you are now a captain at the Tulsa Police Department. Yeah. Um, You sent me your bio you've done so many things like I was I wanted to ask you about all of it but um did you have a do you have a favorite you you've been a detective you've taught you were even started out I guess as driving a police car and getting mm-hmm. tickets or whatever sure, yeah, but anyway yeah, yeah. you've been on tv I've, I've given any TV. Guess, yeah, you tickets yeah, uh, yeah what do you have a favorite thing that you've enjoyed mm,
2: I, I do um Probably my favorite thing was my time as a detective. Uh, That was really, really fun. That's kind of what initially grabbed my attention to police work was Mm -hmm. um, wanting to become a detective. And I was able to do that. I think I had three years on the police department when I applied to the major crimes unit and I was accepted. And so that was a huge... Huge dream of mine, I guess that came true. How law and order is that?
1: Uh, that's what I was going to ask. You. <laughs> Tell us, it's
2: Mark. not. Uh, it was not super law and order. Okay, um, I, I, I hate to say that the uh, the TV show was not as realistic as yeah. I'd hoped. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it, it was. It was a lot of fun, and it was something that um, really I, I worked toward. in in my early career but then once I got in I that was that's what I lived ate and breathed was was detective work and so it was was a ton of fun at the time I did that for about five years so and then toward the end of my time there I I kind of um I don't know if I realized at some point I woke up and thought about it but I'd always wanted to be part of the leadership of the uh, organization and so I started trying to promote and so that's worked out for me yeah
1: and do you enjoy teaching Is that what you're doing right now? What exactly are you doing
2: right now? So I get that question a lot because (laughs) people are like, what what do you do? do do?" Um, So right now, uh, my day-to-day is spent in um, meetings and in strategizing and kind of figuring out um, how to recruit in Mm -hmm. today's environment. So that's kind of what most of my day-to-day is. I'm also, um, I guess... Some of my day-to-day is also taken up by the incident management team because I'm also the commander of the incident management team for Tulsa. And so I do a lot of um, kind of emergency planning and um, building um, plans and teams of of trying to, I guess, I'm trying to put into – Layman's terms, but really just trying to ensure that the city is ready for any type of disaster that hits us, and that
0: police services and fire services and everything can, can continue throughout those disasters. How does the academy get its curriculum? Is there kind of a national guideline that you guys can subscribe to, or so there's state guidelines, yeah. okay? Um,
2: and so we can build off of that, yeah. and uh, the state does have. Like a certain number of hours. I think it's like a 16-week academy mm-hmm. is kind of the basic academy for the state. Um, we build on top of that. And so we end up with about a 30-week uh, okay. academy here. Yep. Um, so the, the the officers that you see out in Tulsa are, are really some of the best trained in the state mm-hmm. and some of the best trained in the nation. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of what we do is, uh, I guess my job is mostly their backgrounds. Yeah. so um, I run a team of some fantastic officers that recruit and then once they recruit they go through the testing process they help them through the background process Mm -hmm. and then once we select them for the academy that's when we hand them over to the training side and the training side brings them to the academy through field training Mm -hmm. and then make sure that they're ready to be police officers you
1: know i read one of your interviews um where you mentioned the shootings at saint francis hospital sure and that you went to maybe you should explain uh you went to a conference and people would approach you because we did have such a good reputation because of how we handled that. How, were you involved in that shooting, or
2: so? Yes, um, well, yes and no. I guess um, I was not one of the officers in, in in the building. In fact, by the time I had arrived, we had plenty of officers that were. inside St. Francis, um, and that we're actually waiting to Mm -hmm. get in to to help out. Um, so I assumed my role as at the time I was the deputy incident commander or deputy incident management team commander. And so I linked up with our essential, our SWAT team commander and, um, helped take care of everything that was not acutely tactical. So, Mm -hmm. um, Mike is our SWAT team commander. He, um, helped ensure that everything inside the building was safe and that people were safe and that we can get them out. Um, at that point, it kind of became my team, which we would take the people that came out of the building and either um, triage them as witnesses or send them over to the family reunification center or things like that. Hmm. So, okay. yeah. so
1: did, why why was that so important in terms of from the outside looking in, like across the country, people are like totally so, handled that well? So, yeah,
2: um, unfortunately... It, what happened was St. Francis happened about a week after Uvalde happened. Oh, yeah. right. Um, and so it was a really unfortunate mm-hmm. juxtaposition of, of how, um, law enforcement approaches active shooting situations. And, uh, Tulsa, I'm proud to say did, did a great job, uh, for the circumstances they had. Um, the, uh, the first officers in, on scene went in without hesitation, did what they needed to do. And, um, and that was really what people latched onto is, as, as how Tulsa did well, and those guys all fell back on their training when they when they went in the building. Um, they did a fantastic job, and yeah. um, fortunately, the situation resolved before it could get any worse. So. How
1: does your family, like, how does Maggie feel? Does she ever get nervous at being married to you a know, police officer? You know, I've
2: talked to her about that a lot, and I don't think she does, <laughs> really, which yeah. uh, I think uh, is good, because mm-hmm. that, that doesn't weigh on her, but sometimes I'm like, are you you're really not that worried about me? Like, you're really not not concerned? <laughs> Um, but she, she kind of explained it to me one time that she said, you know, um, first of all, she knows that we're pretty well trained here in Tulsa. Mm-hmm. She knows um, a lot of my job is, um, I don't know if you'd say safe, but it's it's, it's controlled. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of what I do is, is not out there on the street, mm-hmm. you know, pulling cars over and, and get, going to unknown situations. Um, but when I do, she kind of trusts that I have a solid team around me. Yeah. And, um, and I hope that that's how every... Yeah. Tulsa police spouse feels um, yeah. that they know that they have a, a team of people that are, that are all working to get everyone home, citizens, police officers, get everybody home.
0: So well, you are Catholic. <laughs> <They're> right. <laughs> We've established that. That we're here for. And you're a public servant. And so, so are so were you as a teacher, mm-hmm. but then also you've got brothers and, and sisters in similar roles with firefighting and emergency, sure. like medical uh, first responders, etc. What is that connection between, being Catholic and being a public servant? Cause it seems so strong.
2: Yeah. And you know, I got that question a lot, especially when I was a detective, um, and you have to walk into crime scenes or yeah. things that, that, that normal people don't have yeah, to see. Right. Um, and that you can kind of, I guess, collect a lot of trauma yeah. that way. Um, and so I always kind of, um, fell back on my faith life as the anchor mm-hmm. in all those mm-hmm. situations. Um, oftentimes I'd find myself um, kind of praying for yeah. the, the victim or the person yeah. that I was there to mm-hmm. investigate or the crime that occurred. Um, and so I think that that, um, I don't know, I think that's a very strong kind of a spiritual connection okay. that I didn't really consider before, yeah. uh, before I started yeah. walking into those it's, roles. It's
0: just a, a common pattern. When I was it in is, seminary, sure. I had so many classmates who were, oh yeah, I was a cop for three years oh, or, no, or yeah. five years or eight years or something like that. And then some discerned out and went mm-hmm. back to law enforcement or wow. firefighting, you know. I guess that's it's just... Yeah, that
2: connection is maybe a lot closer than we realize. Yeah. So when know.
0: you had been the the um, leader of the parish's stewardship council mm-hmm. for, gosh, what, eight years six, or six, seven six years? seven years, like so, that. So, yeah. yeah. Long, long time. And that seems to make sense. This, this looking at what God's given me, and how am I going to return it back to the world? Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, all that. So, yeah, you are a shining model of that. I know. So, before yeah. we
1: move to our, because I want to ask you one more question, because I'm interested in this this commission that you serve on mm-hmm. for the mayor, the Latin. How did how did you get invited to do that, and what does that do? What is it called? The
2: Yeah, it's the mayor's uh, Greater Tulsa Area Hispanic and Latinx Affairs Commission. So, um. When I was a patrol captain and I worked out at Mingo Valley Division, we have a a large Hispanic population Mm -hmm. in East Tulsa. And um, I'm happy to say my my boss at the time, who's also a parishioner, Mark Hormerhauser Jr., um, he and I worked to forge a lot of relationships in East Tulsa with the Hispanic community Mm -hmm. um, because really they're a a huge part of the citizens that we serve out in East Tulsa. Um, But they're also um, inclined not to trust police. And so that, that was something that we worked toward, uh, worked to overcome because a lot of that is, is having to build those relationships yeah. and overcome those, uh, those feelings that other people have about not being able to trust the police officers that, that, that serve them. So we worked, um, with several councils in that area. We worked with a lot of the leadership of, of East Tulsa. And uh, I think that was kind of being noticed that we were creating those relationships and, um, I was reached I guess approached by I don't even remember who it was I think it may have been Mark um who asked me if I'd be interested in serving on this commission with um with a team of essentially Hispanic leaders throughout Tulsa and so um I I agreed I thought that it'd be a really cool uh, experience and what I found is we all have a lot of similar um uh, beliefs or, or a lot of similar motivations for, for being in the room together. And all of us are looking to improve the lives of all Tulsans um, and including and um, maybe, a, I don't know if especially is the right word, but with, with a uh, definite um, flavor or flair of catering toward Hispanic communities. Um, so offering translations, offering different public safety meetings, uh, public safety forums, things like that is always uh, something that and we try to are you do.
1: Hispanic from the Philippines? Are your parents from the Philippines? Or? No.
2: So my mom is first-generation Mexican-American. Okay. So, um, and my dad is German, which is why my last name yeah. is Onasorge. <laughs> yeah. And so people kind of get confused when they see me. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, so my mom's side is the Hispanic side of our family. And so growing up, we'd always have, um, and they're both very strong Catholic families, which is also kind of interesting. But uh, growing up, it was very interesting to, to have my mom's side of the family and we'd go to parties on her side which were mm-hmm. always exciting and uh, full of piñatas and yeah. lo- lots of fun I was always one of the taller members of the family on her mm-hmm. side which was also fun and then we'd go to my dad's side of the family and it was much more formal and uh-huh. much more like you know sit down dinners and mm-hmm. I was always one of the shorter members of the family on that <laughs> side so it, was, it kind of worked out that way but yeah
1: well That's speaking of so you grew up Catholic as mm-hmm. we transition yep. into our it's glory be interesting people and in how they pray so mm-hmm. as we make our way into the how you pray part of the podcast you grew up catholic mike and i of course think of you as one of our um devoted parishioners you're also still involved you were involved um in stewardship now you're involved on the pastor's team you've been very involved in the school um is there a particular type of prayer that draws your heart um i know you've mentioned that you do you have a Hour of Adoration over at St. Yeah. John's Hospital. You have a large family. Does your family pray together? Talk to us about your faith life and why that's important and how you pray.
2: All right. So I think that was like 15 questions. questions. That yeah. I'm going to I'm try to pair those <laughs> Write down. a short exactly. dissertation for us. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'll start. I guess I'll start with St. John's because right. Adoration really kind of became... Uh, The center of my prayer life Over the past several years So um, I think it was about 14 years ago That I started uh, my hour at St. John's and at the time, it was like a you know eight or nine o'clock in the evening. I'd go and yeah. sit an hour before the blessed sacrament. And now it's a three o'clock a.m. on Sundays. So I think yeah, it's it's gotten progressively yeah. later as, uh-huh. as it's gone on. But um, and so that that early on, I kind of felt like that was a centering of yeah. of my life, and so I feel like that every week. And it is, uh, sometimes a struggle, um, or, or a sacrifice. Cause on Sunday morning, it's, it's hard for me to wake up to make it to ten thirty mass, which is why now we're 5 PM <laughs> Saturday <laughs> mass uh, goers. But, um, so yeah, so it, it's, it's been challenging to continue to, to have an overnight hour, but I also found that it was, um, if my week feels off, if I don't go. Yeah. So like, for example, this last weekend I was out of town cause I had my 20th high school reunion. Yeah. And, um, and I felt, I felt like my week didn't start off the way it should because yeah. my week normally starts yep. off with an hour before the blessed sacrament. So that's kind of a centering, I guess, moment for me for my prayer life. And, um, what i normally do there is i do a lot of spiritual reading and so um i generally kind of cling onto uh, a saint or someone that um that i revere respect um i recently uh, reread the biography of stanley rother uh, because i feel i feel like he's a really um good figure, especially Mm -hmm. in Oklahoma for us to look up to. And my wife and I kind of made a a pilgrimage to the shrine of standing brother in Oklahoma city this summer. And so that kind of re sparked my interest in, in learning more about him. And I'd read his biography a few years ago, but I decided to kind of reread it. Um, Padre Pio, who's one of my, one of my guys, um, I read about him, uh, frequently. And so I, I guess spiritual reading has a lot to do with my prayer life as well. Um, in terms of with my family, uh, we um, in the mornings, we do have a prayer that we uh, try to hit with the kids as often as we can um, and it 's the uh, good morning, dear Jesus prayer mm-hmm. that they learned I think in preschool, yeah. and we still kind of continue that and yeah. we talk about prayer intentions and things like that um, and Then in the evenings during dinner, and this is something I actually stole from Jane Bender um, when Maggie and I would we, we used to go and speak to her theology class. And what they would do on the Mondays after a weekend is they'd talk about their peaches and their pits from the weekend. Mm-hmm. So like the good part of yeah. their weekend and their bad part. And so we started doing that with our kids. We thought that was kind of a fun thing for, for us to do and get the kids to talk to us a little bit. Um, and af- over the years, it's evolved now and it's just peaches because we don't want to hear about anything negative yeah. in their day. We yeah. just want to hear what the good part yeah. of their day is. And if it's something that, um, that they need help with, then we... Do peaches and intentions, and so we 'll ask yeah. about an intention for, the, for them, and so that 's kind of a way that we try to remind our kids to be grateful yeah. in every day, no matter what happens in school um, there 's always a piece of their day that they can count as a peach, and uh, it 's not a, a you cannot give the answer that there was no peach that day right. because we 'll always. Ask them to look for something that was good, um, something that we could be thankful for, and then we talk about prayer intentions, so uh, that that 's kind of i guess the center point of prayer and with with our family um, Something that I do personally is and I think i 've talked about this before uh, with some ministries at st mary 's um, when I have time in the mornings i 'll start my day with a rosary in the car mm-hmm. and that 's and fairly easy thing yeah. for me to do um, on the way to work is I will um, I have a couple of rosaries in my car already. Uh, oftentimes, I just do it on my fingers, yeah. and I'll, I'll say a rosary on the way to work. Um, nowadays, a lot of times, my mornings are covered with phone calls mm-hmm. because you're never really detached yeah. From, yeah. from your work. <laughs> you can't clock it's, out. Right. Yeah. You always have a phone on you or something. Yeah. Um, and so I'll try to at least get a decade in or get a few yeah. prayers in on my way into into work. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's
0: i don't know if I answered all your questions. I think
1: that was a great answer. You mentioned time.
0: earlier in the podcast about you know when sometimes when a call comes in that requires police presence, you'll come in and pray for the people impacted mm-hmm. by that situation. Do you have a go to prayer like if you only have ten seconds, do you have a go to <laughs>
2: um so I I usually stick to the Hail Mary because that's just kind of an easy, uh, I guess, softball prayer for me to to throw in there and something I can remember really quickly. Um, But I also, uh, especially when I was in patrol, I favored the St. Michael prayer a lot. Um, I enjoyed that one. uh, um, I I said that one frequently uh, either at work or right before Mm -hmm. work or things like that. Um, So those are kind of the two that I would think about. And then sometimes if I could find – a way to relate to the person um, that that might influence yeah. a prayer that I might yeah. say or an intention that yeah. I might have for them. Okay. Uh, but often it was, yeah, it was Hail Mary or um, their uh, the repose of their soul, yeah. so that kind of thing. Yeah. And
1: um, we should link to the St. Michael prayer. I Absolutely. don't know if anybody has ever, I mean, of course— a lot of people have heard the prayer, you know, yeah. but if anybody's ever referenced it as a prayer that they use,
2: oh yeah, that's yeah, it's one of my favorites. Yeah, that's and, a really yeah. good idea. I have Saint Michael socks too that yeah. I wear sometimes if if it's <laughs> yeah. a, you know if it's going to be a day.
0: Yes. Yeah. You know, yes. To yeah. give you Strength. Yeah. You, yeah. So so you've got all the whole uh, community of saints represented because you got Padre so. Pio yeah. shirts, right. Saint Michael socks, yep. yep. yeah. So you got to so keep like, them all together.
1: You know, from what you've mentioned, I mean, starting out when you were in college and probably before, but you've been very active. You have a rich prayer life. I has hope it, so, yeah. Has it, there ever been a time in your life when it's been difficult to pray?
2: Right. Oh, yeah, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, is the answer to that. Yeah, um, yeah I, and it's funny. I found that um, the busier I am, the harder it is to pray. And so that's also kind of centering for me because I realize there's a, a moment when you realize uh, I, I'm too busy for my own good. Yeah. And so um, Maggie actually has been really good about that for, for us in the last couple of years of ensuring that we're not always driving somewhere. Or we're not always, you know, dropping kids off because we, the kids do have a lot of activities yeah. and there's six of them. So we, we, right. that multiplies quickly. So we kind of came up with for better, or for worse, a structure where they can have like a sport and a extra or an right. extracurricular activity. activity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we kind of limit it for them Mostly, so we can have more family time, more mm-hmm. prayer time, more um, downtime yeah. really as yeah. as a family yeah. so um, so yeah when when especially when school kicks back up, when things start getting busier it 's harder for me to sit down and just think and pray, um, and so that 's when I fall back on my car trips to yeah. either to to work or yeah. home or wherever um, but yeah so that 's been a challenge for me. Um, I thought about something when I, when I read that question, I thought for a second, um, my daughter, and I don't remember if, if you guys were here when this happened, but when Mary was born, she had a congenital heart de- defect. And so
0: I wasn't um, here, but I know. Yeah. the story,
2: Yeah. And so for like a, almost a year yeah. until she was nine months old, we had to give her medicine twice a day. And um, she ended up having to have surgery at nine months old. And um, that, that whole thing is another, a whole nother story. Cause we, we saw um, we really saw God's hand in a lot of that 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 moment, um, but I, I thought for a moment was that hard for me to pray around then, and because there were times when I thought you know this isn't fair why is it why is it us and why yeah. is it our daughter you know this kind of thing, um, but it was I almost felt like it was easier to pray because mm-hmm. I knew. Exactly what I was praying for, and Mm -hmm. I knew um, what I was talking to, what I was asking, and Father Castle at the time was was our associate priest here, and he was uh, really close to us, and he was actually um, at the hospital with us during her surgery, and so um, that was kind of, I guess, to not answer your question because that was a really easy time for me to pray, but it was something that I thought immediately. I was like, well, um, I don't know why it was during a difficult situation in my life, it was easier for me to pray Mm -hmm. than during. Kind of the normal yeah. times of life when when you just find yourself busy. Mm-hmm. So
1: I, I think that is my experience. When there's a big crisis, I immediately turn to God. Mm-hmm. But when I get in the busyness, I like, yeah. kind of sometimes forget. Yeah. You know, so maybe, I, maybe it's I
2: human nature relate. to to turn turn toward him when right when and we're well, when and, we're that, most and need. that's a
0: common answer. We've yeah. been doing this podcast for a while, and a lot of people say, "Yeah, the the difficult time is the more." Mundane. The, the mundane. There's no, yeah. there's no uh, peaks or valleys. No peaches or pits. Right. <laughs> so, there's always a peach. There's yeah. Always a, yeah. No,
1: no, I like that. <laughs> yeah. Especially for teenagers. You know, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: We have to draw it out of them. Sometimes. Well, we are
0: just about done, but mm-hmm. we would love to pray a glory be if you'd lead us in one. But would you give us a prayer intention? Something that you would want the entire world to join with you for that prayer intention? Yeah.
2: Um, you know, I uh, would love to pray for. All the victims of crime Mm -hmm. in the Tulsa area, Um, that's something that um, is near to me and near to my heart, Um, obviously, as a police officer. um, Also, selfishly, my mother-in-law, who's um, Mm -hmm. also been dealing with some ailments lately. So, yeah, those are two intentions that I'd like to pray for.
0: Well, we'll do it. Would you lead
2: us? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As as it was in the beginning, is is now, now, and ever ever shall be, world without without end. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: That's great, Father. Thank you, sir. Yeah, thank so you, guys. Really nice. for appreciate it. Having me. I appreciate it. Glory B is a production of the Office of Communications at the Church of Saint Mary in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm your producer, Mike Malcolm. See you next time.